Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What up, everybody? It is Double G here with another episode of Fight Game Podcast Extra. My guest is someone who I've known pretty much longer than anybody on the internet in which I, I it, with whom I still interact with uh, when it comes to wrestling. Big D, aka Geekdom101. Actually, he doesn't call himself that. That's just the name of his uh, YouTube channel. He's got a few that he talks about on the, uh, the episode. Uh, before that, before we get there, I just wanted to mention, and uh, because next week on Pound for Pound, our boxing podcast, Robert Silva is doing an Andre Ward episode. Now, why is he doing an episode on Andre Ward? Well, Showtime Sports just released a documentary on Andre Ward. And I've watched about maybe not quite half of it. It is tremendous. Now, Andre Ward, not the biggest name in boxing. He stepped away maybe when he was at the peak of his powers when it came to uh, his how, how big he was in boxing. Diehard boxing fans know how good he was, but he never reached that like heightened celebrity that he could have. You know, possibly if he decided, you know, hey, I'm going to... You know, I'm going to fight Golovkin or, you know, I'm going to fight Canelo or, or somebody like that and beat them. And then, you know, he, he would have been uh, on top of the boxing world. He was still, you know, he's still a Hall of Famer, one of my favorite boxers because he's from the Bay Area. So I knew about him before most. But the documentary goes through the ups and downs of, uh, of his childhood. And man, talk about an uh, inspiring way for him to use his athletic gifts to get he and his family, uh, you know, out of uh, some precarious situations that they themselves created, but just tremendous stuff. And so the reason why I wanted to mention that is because uh, I was starting to think about, you know, when you get when you get a little bit older, and you know, we are on the sort of the precipice of podcasting, and some people even think you know podcasting has jumped the shark. I, I don't think. So I think certain styles of podcasting, because it's, it's, it's a giant grind, it's collaboration, it is content creation, and it's really hard. It's, it's hard to grow channels, which is why, you know, we all at Fight Game Media appreciate the people who subscribe to our channel, who listen, 
regularly, even if you, this is the first episode you've ever listened to, uh, really appreciate just the opportunity that we get to be in your headphones or or be on your phone or, or, or whatever, because it's a hard grind. So many podcasts uh, die after like a couple of weeks. Like, you know, you have this big project, you have this big thought of, oh, you know, I want to do this. And then you realize that when you start, uh, nobody listens for one. And you don't get any feedback, and you look at the download numbers, and you're like, "Geez, you know, wh- why am I even doing this? I'm speaking into uh, into the ether." Uh, but now that you know, Fike Media Network, we've been doing this. I I go back with Big D, even before we were doing something called FGB Radio, and really, you know, what I've said in the past about those old episodes is that they were just practice. For us, you know, for, for me to learn how to produce and to learn how to record and put them together. But for, for D, you know, D's, D makes his complete living based off of his YouTube channels. He does not go into an office because he has been able to turn a, a passion into a career, which is amazing. It, it's, it, it's the dream for a lot of us. Uh, not realistic, really, for for moat for the you know ninety nine percent of us, but for him, he's he's been able to do it. So, I was you know I always give him props for that. Is it's just a tremendous thing. Uh, but but so you know longest sort of friend in this genre in this uh, field, and he's the one who turned me on to Robert Silva, who has been writing for Fight Game Media back when the website had. Uh, daily content, which it does not anymore. It's just we're, we're just pivoting on, on things, and I still don't know exactly what I'm going to do with that website. But Robert was sending me boxing stuff, and you know, I had gotten back into boxing. I was always a fan as a kid, and always watching the fights. You know, with whomever had whatever black box. But you know, when my kids were younger, I was raising kids and running around, and boxing kind of fell to the wayside except for the biggest of the biggest fights and so then I got back into it and Robert's doing all this great writing and and then when we start doing this network Robert is the perfect person he and Carlos Toro together to do our our boxing podcast and then Carlos you know just time and and priorities changed for him and he had to step away and Robert's like Phew. I love doing it with Carlos but I'm gonna I can do it by myself too and so he it's become uh, his his really really strong project. And Robert does a lot of podcasts. He he is he loves talking, so this is right up his alley. But I don't meet Robert unless I meet unless I know Big D because they had connected. He, uh, Robert was writing boxing stuff for Big D's uh, old website, and so it just kind of you know kind of think about how long you've known people and stuff. And and it's funny how I can connect watching the Andre Ward documentary to. Big D and, and me knowing each other for 20 years and then Big D connecting me to Robert Silva. That's just how the world works. But anyway, sorry for the uh, long preamble here, but I just thought it was kind of, it was it was a fun to think about. It's fun to go back and think about how did I meet this person? And, you know, why did we connect? And, oh, do you still connect? So, uh, you know, treat your, uh, re- reach out to your peoples because they're important and make sure you check in on them and uh, keep those connections. So, um, 
let the I'll I'll play the episode that I recorded earlier on uh, Friday morning with with Big D. This episode is also on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel. Channel if you if you would rather watch it on video, we live streamed it, and so it is out there. I will link it also in the show notes. But uh, all right, this is. Uh, We've d-, d and I have done tons and tons of shows together, but not very many where I bring him on as a guest and, and we talk about what he does. Talk about his channel, content creation, social media, mental health when it comes to social media, pro wrestling today, uh, just you know, kind of being involved in ways that we had always talked about, you know, in the year two thousand and five. Think about that. Go back that far. So, uh, all right. Big D, Geekdom 101, here is the chat that we had earlier Friday morning. I want to welcome Big D to the Fight to Fight Game Podcast Extra, your podcast partner, former podcast partner, however that is working right now, Brandon Draven came on. A couple of weeks ago, or actually a couple months ago now, after WrestleMania, so I wanted to bring back or bring in the second K Fabulous Lucha brother here, somebody who I've known for, gosh, longer than twenty years now, which is kind of crazy. What's up, man? Oh, now you're muted. The whole time we tested this, here we go. There you go. No, that's my (laughs) bad. I'm doing great. How are you? No, I'm doing good. So, uh, people who have followed. Fight Game Media, Fight Game Blog, back in the day, fight uh, the original FGB Radio. They know you because you were a big part of what I was doing, kind of trying to figure out how to create content back in the day, back in the day. But you are, have your own successful channel, your, your YouTube channel, which is now your career. I want to talk to you about that. Uh, but, I mean, just the idea of us knowing each other for this long mostly because of professional wrestling there there was so, also some writing and some hip hop music in there. yeah but all these years like it's been what 20 has it been 22 years almost something like that 20 21 years yeah 2002 you you literally even though you weren't like there wasn't that many details well i mean there was some you actually kind of witnessed my rise literally because like starting in 02 when you and i met uh, originally, you were a lead and liaison for a, a, re- a review website. Can we talk about that a little bit real quick? Just Yeah, go for it. All right. Just wanted to make sure. It was Opinions, and I started doing rap reviews. Not very good at first. I'll, I won't lie to you. I got better as I practiced like mm-hmm. everybody does. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was kind of my first inkling that I could make money on the Internet. The Internet was still pretty new in 2002. It still wasn't quite what – nowhere near what it is now. And it's funny because there's that old saying, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's, it's very close because w- when we were doing the, the opinion stuff, then the website just kind of went haywire. Yeah. Yeah. Then by that point, we started to tra- – and I say we because you and I had a similar journey. We transitioned to doing audio. I am a co-founder of Fight Game. I don't care what <laughs> anybody says. I'm one of the co-founders, me, you, and Alan. And then uh, in 2008, I started doing Big D and the Super Friends, which you did name. I'll yes. give you credit. You named it that. And um, and then that was my first taste of, like, internet, radio. What we're doing now, basically, it's streaming. Yeah. It's just yeah. no, no video. Yeah. Absolutely. And then – and that was in 2008. 
And then uh, I, I then started my own website and I had some troubles there. And then we get to YouTube. So I have been trying and it's not like I was like, I still had jobs. I was still working as yeah. an IT guy. Yeah, sure. I wasn't like goofing off. But on the side, we were trying to make it. And it's kind of interesting how, you know, in your case, you got on the Observer. And I'm not trying to throw you under the bus or anything, but you've wanted to, to work with Dave for a long time. That's not really a, a bad thing. Like, that was your guy. Like, you love that guy. So when you got to the Observer, it's like, poor Ed got left behind. That was the first thing. <laughs> That's the thing me and Pedro said when it first happened. We were like, man, Garrett got on there before Ed. He's going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, it, it's just – and now I feel like it's – and I'm going to be honest with you. It's never been easier in the history of our society to be a business person and to start a podcast than it is now. It's never been easier. Yeah, I, I agree with you as far as like starting it up, but actually creating a career out of it, I think it's still a pretty rare thing. No, it is what hard. you did. You created a career out of your channel, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But going back to those early days, because this is before social media exists, and you are young, you are old enough to have dabbled in internet before it was what it is now, but you're still. You you're still pretty young in that, you know, you weren't going back to, uh, you know, when W when WWE was on AOL or, or, or stuff, right? You're still a little too young for that, like when they were trying their hands at sort of figuring out this internet. But what right. happened is, is so obviously there's still message boards today, and that was kind of the, the early onset of internet community was message boards. But what Opinions did was something interesting. Opinions had a platform groups. for people to write reviews – and then you, and then there was a, a subset of users who would comment on those reviews. So if, uh, originally, those conversations were Big D would write a review on the latest Fifty Cent album, and then he'd get comments from people A who liked his work, or B just just came on to to this post because it was getting a lot of popularity, or C just disagreed with him. And then so this so this non threaded comment section was kind of like social media for us back in the day that's where we would make our friends that's where we would have our arguments that's where we would kind of you know know whether we liked or, or didn't like somebody and there's an extension of that because then you have AOL instant messenger it's kind of how how we got to know each other a little bit more but like fast forward from that time to what it is now where man we're out there like with one click on twitter someone can reach out to me and ask me a question uh, someone could friend you on Twitter, and you can then decide whether to friend them or not. But that's where we're, we're creating relationships through there in that way. Did you like the old way better, or do you like the new way better? I don't know. There's pros and cons. The old way, I felt, I felt like, and maybe it's because of a generational thing. People seemed a lot nicer back in the day, and, and, and nowadays we're living in an era where. People don't have to be nice because they figured out that when you're anonymous online, you can say whatever you want. But when it comes to like business, I like the new way now. And you're right. It does take a lot of work. This is not like people. I remember I read somewhere that all, like a bunch of kids, like a big percentage of kids want to be content creators, but mm -hmm. it's very competitive and it requires a lot of work. In some ways, you have to sacrifice a lot of your life 
to put into your channel and people it's sort of like you know the older we get the more we understand people like the super successful people not just people in the wrestling business like tony khan or vince but like a jeff bezos and an elon like these guys you know like them or not and there's pros and cons to all of them uh they made sacrifices steve jobs made sacrifices and so you, you, I don't think you can get anywhere without sacrifices. You know, Ultimate Warrior taught us that back in 1990. <laughs> he was right. Okay, so now, uh, you know, you've dealt with a lot of feedback, right? And feedback can be positive or negative. Feedback can be in good faith or bad faith. Constructive criticism is positive. I agree. Cri- criticizing for the sake of criticizing, not positive. Uh, I just read a story yesterday the uh, the boxer Ryan Garcia, who's very popular, and he is also a, an influencer, content creator himself. He's he's a young man. He he and Oscar De La Hoya, they're supposed to be on the same team, and they're feuding. And I just I just like it. I was just thinking, like, man, you know, Ryan Garcia is out there. He is Oscar, not quite Oscar, but you know, thirty years ago. But Oscar didn't have to deal with the mental health struggles of, of what Ryan does. Now, he had other struggles. I'm, I'm not throwing Oscar under the bus. But, like, think about, you know, you've had a certain level of success uh, on the Internet. But then you take it, like, 10 or 20x, and someone like Ryan Garcia, the mental health piece of it. Like, how, how do you deal with the aspect of, of your own mental health when it comes to making sure you're answering folks or reaching folks and at the same time, you know, protecting yourself. I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, a lot of it being based on my, my background and things that I dealt with when I was younger, you know? Uh, and, and so I tend to sometimes get very defensive about my work and it's not even like an ego thing necessarily, even though that's part of it. It's the fact that, and you know, this, you, this is the story that you're very well aware of. I was homeless at one time. And as a result of me being homeless, now that I have this career that not only is the money good, but I get to make my own hours. And it's opened up a big sort of uh, world for me and for you. I mean, if if, if I went back in time and talked to Rohiblius on AOL Instant Messenger and I said, (laughs) hey, you're going to be doing podcasts with Dave. You're going to be interviewing uh, wrestlers and and promoters. You would have been like, yeah, maybe someday, but I'm not sure. because It seems so unlikely. And it's similar to me because, you know, I – because of the the YouTube, I was able to host conventions. I was able yeah. to put together. Yeah, I, I was. I've interviewed. I'm the only content creator who's interviewed about ninety percent of the Dragon Ball voice cast. Um, nobody else has done that. And one of the things I discovered about myself is that I'm a pretty good interviewer. You know, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at it. So. Uh, you know, and that opened up the doors for me to get sources and communicate with people. And it's just, it's, it's fun, but I I do love like the time management aspect, but to your point about the, the mental health thing, I, I do have, I do, I did see a therapist for every week for about a year and a half. Now I see her every couple months because it is a lot, especially when you're a target, especially when you've got people out there now. And this is something that you and I really didn't deal with in the early days. Not as bad. You've got people now who are mentally ill uh, and they don't realize that you've got a lot of online narcissism. You've got people who do things for attention and you've got people who don't see us as human beings. They'll sit yep. there and they'll make a comment, 
Yeah, and, and they don't they see geekdom or they see, you know, Rohiblis or whatever, and they don't know there's a person behind that, a person who's dealt with a lot of shit. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean to curse, but I mean it, it's I'm trying to keep it I'm trying to keep it PG. <laughs> right. But um, but but it's tough sometimes, man. I have had days where I've wanted to punch walls, and I have. Like I've yeah. I have had people literally come after my career. I've had people yeah. I have had people, I've had two people so far who are no longer on YouTube make 60 plus videos about me, calling me everything from a liar to a homosexual. And then, so the same guy will call me a homosexual and then call me a homophobe. Makes no sense, but whatever. They call me, they just make stuff up. Like they can't find anything that I've actually done wrong. And I know I've done things wrong, but not to what to their degree. So they just make stuff up. Like people just invent things, and a lot of it has to do with like this projection of this person is 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 doing something. So I'm gonna bring them down to my level, and it just for somebody like me, it just seems so pathetic and so childish. But unfortunately, because I am in the anime sphere, we're dealing with a lot of people who are childish immature a lot of them have single parent homes a lot of them are bullied in school so if you're bullied in school the way you take it out on somebody is you bully somebody on the internet and i don't think that's right i, I think that's that's very wrong so uh it has been hard i'm not gonna lie to you there have been tough days when it comes to this but i have never quit because i'm not gonna let them win Plus, I love my job too much. I genuinely adore what I do. And the thing about me is I've always been a results-based person. I'm not an hourly wage type of guy. I don't like working eight hours sitting at a desk waiting for a call. And a lot of my 20s was like that. I like working on projects, getting them done, putting them out. I would rather work 20 hours straight on Monday and Tuesday and then take the rest of the week off which I've done a couple times, then work eight hours every day. Like that to me, that freedom is the best. Uh, that to me is the best thing about being a content creator, but you're going to deal with the bad too, which is people just straight up slandering you, which I've dealt with a lot. So we'll, we'll get to the wrestling thing here in a second, but I want to ask you one more question about this. Anything. Because, because I mean, we are... We are all, if we're doing this, we are content creators, whether we do it full-time or part-time. Uh, and the, the other piece of this where this is, this is nothing to do with bad faith people attacking you. This has to do with you. Every, every time your channel grows and you're, you're probably gaining, I don't know how many, how many new subscribers you gain daily, but I'm sure it's some daily. There, there's a new expectation for you to fulfill that audience because as that audience grows they're going to want more 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 now how do you deal with that aspect of man how much more can i give how many more ideas can i have i'm sure the dragon ball news cycle it will, will give you a lot but you there's also a creativity aspect of it like do you struggle with that piece of it like just the expectation nope and that's 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 something that's kind of a blessing for me. Um, so here's the thing. First of all, the Dragon Ball news cycle as of today, which is uh, the, the beginning of June, is nothing. It's bad. So the amount of subs that I'm gaining now is nowhere near what I was getting a couple of years ago. But that's okay because I still love what I do. To answer your, and I, I know we're gonna have news coming up later this year. But the more, but um, but and so I'm at the mercy of that. But 
to answer your question, I've never had problems coming up with ideas. And, and I think it's because of how well I know this series. You know, my passions as a kid were wrestling, Dragon Ball, and Star Wars. And to a lesser degree, Ninja Turtles when I was really little. So because of, you know, and you know, we've talked about wrestling, you and I, and I do the KLB. I love that stuff, and there's always going to be topics. With Dragon Ball, and I know you're not that familiar with it, but it's such a big franchise. There's been literally over 100 video games. There's never anything there, – there, I'm never at a loss for topics because I literally have topics in my head and in a notepad I have somewhere in one of my drawers that I, I was writing into in 2015 when I first started. There are videos that I haven't even created yet that I'm holding on to. There, I, I, I don't know. For me, it's never been a struggle. And I've talked to other creators where they're like, you know, I'm not really sure this and that. That's not the struggle. The struggle, ideas for me is, is nothing. I could make videos for the next 10 years and have ideas. I, I'm being honest with you about that. I, I know good. this. That, yeah, that, no, I, that, that means your, your future is is laid out very well because you won't you won't stop you, you'll well, be able to keep going right well we're at the we're at the mercy of the algorithm unfortunately but you're right uh but what i was going to tell you was um like i said i don't struggle with that because it depends on how familiar you are with the subject matter like if you know marvel in and out let's just say there are billions of stories you can make videos on that i have a friend of mine on youtube comics explained and he's a multi-millionaire and he's been making content for years and he covers all comics including walking dead and there's topics like you just never run out there's just so much with big franchises what i struggle with is not necessarily the topics and this is something a lot of people who make edited content struggle with I struggle with making sure I get my ideas mentally on into the video and don't miss anything. Mm -hmm. I one of the things about me that a lot of folks don't know and it surprises them is that I script almost none of my videos. I don't script them. I, I everything when when it comes to Dragon Ball, it's all up here and in here. It just comes out of me like it's. Are you trying to say you're the Jay Z? Yes, I've said Dragon that before. Video I've said that before. <laughs> I've actually said that before. Because here's the thing, I don't write except for except for when there's a, a topic that I need. I use bullet points, like the yeah. attitude era. But but when I I do write like scripts when there's a topic that I'm like afraid to miss something on or a topic that's a big topic. For example, last December I did a video on the channel about the history of the of the artificial humans which is a, a bunch of villains and i had it's an hour long video for a video that's that long you have to write yeah because if you because I, I i'm not gonna i don't want to upload a video and then just miss something right you know and there's also research involved and because i cover dragon ball specifically that means i have to get translations and so luckily we have a very rich community and people there's a lot of people in it but um, but that's what I struggle with more is kind of make is, is making sure that the video comes out right and I don't miss anything. And then if I do miss something, I'm kicking my own ass because it's like, damn, I should have said that. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, that that's that was fascinating discussion because I you know I am interested in a lot of that stuff. Just you know, it's it's pretty. It's not that it's new to me, but you've been doing it for much longer. And you know, I like learning. Like uh, I talked to to John Pollock from uh, Post Wrestling, and that is actually the first episode that that we did of this show. And he like I, I told him I said you know you guys are doing something right because. When I can't figure out how to do something, I kind of wonder, well, how did John do it, you know, on his website? And, and so you kind of take from bits and pieces. And I imagine you have done that, but also people have done that from you going like, I wonder how Big D handled this because I'm having a little bit of a, a struggle in figuring out how I want to handle this. So it's kind of a, you have so many models out there in the ecosystem of what works and what doesn't. And so, you know, there, there's, uh, there's help out there if you kind of need it. Yeah, and I will say this. Um, there is help out there. Obviously, I've told you before, if you need anything from me, just reach out, you know, anything. Because uh, I, I, I'm not the, like I said, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the biggest channel ever, but I, I know some things. Um, and, but when it comes to me specifically, like when it comes to what you just said, I think we all learn from each other. The yeah. difference between being an adult and being a child or being an alpha and being a beta in this case is if you see someone on YouTube who's doing well, you don't envy them. You learn from them. And that's what I did. I use Comics Explained as an example because Rob was doing YouTube before me. My videos, the bulk of my content is what he does for comics, but for Dragon Ball because I noticed that when I first started in 2015, and this is no disrespect but there was nobody doing the kind of videos that I do. And now everyone's doing them, which is, and I'm not gloating. This is the truth. I can show you people back then were doing mostly game related stuff and it wasn't really too in depth. Now we have like multi-part like story breakdowns. People are doing real good stuff. That's because I took Rob's formula and I applied it to Dragon Ball because, and this is, again, this is not ego. I know this series very, very well. Mm -hmm. Most and more than a lot of people do. Because I studied Eastern philosophy. I studied Buddhism. I studied Taoism. I studied all these things that that are rich in Dragon Ball in, in the series. And so because of that, I that's why I'm saying I never ran out of ideas because I know it so well. And yeah, no, you don't have to be cool. you don't have to be a super expert at everything, but that happens to be what I do. So yeah. uh, all right, let's uh, let's change gears and talk wrestling because uh, we grew up in a different eras of what we saw as the wrestling that we grew up with. And so we've always had a little bit of a different mentality about, you know, what works and, and what doesn't though we both got to experience the attitude era and, and the fallout of the attitude era. And I'm mm -hmm. kind of interested in what you think about the current pro wrestling ecosystem today like where are you with wwe and aew are you watching as much as you used to you checking in highlights like what is your current process with pro wrestling well for a long time i was just not watching raw 
because uh, it's just three hours. I mean, you and I, we've talked about it, you and I. It, it oh, yeah. drags, bro. It drags. Just so people know how long I've known this dude. This dude used to send me yeah. scripts of what he thought wrestling, you know, how they should write the wrestling TV But you show liked it. it. So, no, they're, they're fun. Like, this, that's a fun discourse. You actually took time out of your day to put your thoughts on paper. I'm sure that's, you know, it's it's very... It doesn't make it doesn't surprise anybody based on what you do for a living now that that was kind of an interest of yours. But like, that's how far we go back is, oh, man, Raw sucks. Like, how do we fix it? And then Danny will send me like, you know, a, 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 an eight page paper on like the script of what the show could be like. Like, that's how far we go back with this stuff. But sorry, I interrupted you. Go, go no, ahead. no, it's fine. It's your show. Um, what I was going to say was uh, the the rest. Of, so, so I wanted to go to the pandemic. During the pandemic, I hated it. Yeah. I don't like wrestling without a crowd. And I'll be honest, I watch very little of it. I I watch the pay-per-views and that's it. Now, what happens is, and this does segue into my channel here, during the pandemic, the early days, April or so, I decided to create a Discord server. I decided to charge uh, to create a premium service. So there's memberships on the Geekdom channel. If you sign up for tier two, you can join the Discord server. So now in the Discord server, either myself or two other people will stream wrestling weekly. So tonight we're going to be watching SmackDown. We're going to be watching uh, Raw. We're going to be watching, uh, well, not every week, but most weeks, AEW. With with the new Saturday show, I'm not sure how that's going to fly because that time slot is hard for a lot of us. Yeah, uh, It's not the best time slot. I'll probably be DVRing that one. To be, I'm sure you will too. Most yeah. weeks, <clears throat> yeah, I do yeah. everything. I, I I will watch the majority of Dynamite live, but it's it's right in the time where you know we eat dinner and stuff. So I I'm I'm not I'm generally not watching that full show live. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and I I actually think that one of the benefits of the internet is that we have access to all this wrestling that we didn't have access to before. But the problem, of course, is it's too much. Now, as an adult, it's different because when we were kids. I used to watch everything, wrestling challenge, mania, all the crap re- recap shows. Yeah. But now we have work, we have other interests, we have families. Yeah. It's just a, forget it. But um, I think I think the wrestling landscape, what sucks is that, and I'm just gonna give you a, a direct example here. I did not like 2022 AEW. I went to mm-hmm. a couple three of their shows. I went to three shows, and I think. I don't think Tony Khan should be Booker of the Year for last year. Uh, there was a lot of problems. Oh, he didn't um, win. Well, he did win. Oh, oh, he, oh, right. He, uh, yeah, it was, he won. It, it was it was this guy who said that he shouldn't have won, which kind of created and a, I, a bit and of a furor. And I agreed with him. <laughs> I was so happy he said that because I agreed with him. Uh, there, but but meanwhile, here comes Paul Levesque. Now, when you and I hung out in Vegas. Draven doesn't like Paul Levesque's booking, but you can't, but, and this is my opinion and not just mine. A lot of people, when he took over the book, it was like WWE was revitalized. We saw a lot of guys come back. Some of our favorites like Gargano, and most of them did flounder now. uh, So yeah, he did. (laughs) I know. Right. But I will say that from like August to WrestleMania, I was excited about wrestling again. I remember, yeah. dude, I was screaming at people who have known me as long as you were longer. I'm like, dude, wrestling is back. Yeah. I was having pay-per-view parties again at yeah. home. with like People were in, and AEW was struggling. And then what happened was a funny thing happens. Vince comes back. 
does the deal with Ari Emanuel, and then you can smell Vince-isms all over the shows now. Sure. The shows are still better now. I think they were like four or five years ago, but you can tell that there are differences. And because of that, for this buildup to uh, the Saudi show we just that just happened, I did miss like two Raws, didn't regret it one bit. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to watch it every week. I will watch it some weeks, but I'm not going to watch it every week. SmackDown's pretty easy to watch. So that's an easy show to watch. Um, but I want to say, but then all of a sudden, AEW, starting with Revolution, going from Revolution, that was a great show, going into Double or Nothing, the booking improved dramatically. That's interesting that you say that because mm -hmm. I thought a lot of those programs were pretty flat heading into Double or Nothing, but this is why, you know, this is why you have the discourse, this is why you talk to people because it, it really resonates with some folks. And in our Discord, you know, the, the AEW fans are still generally happy with the product, even though maybe it's not as hot as it was in, in 21. But uh, but at the same time, I look at it and go, oh, they're dismissing, you know, the, these couple things to, to make it better. But it's just, it's just discourse. It doesn't mean what I'm saying is right or that someone else is saying is right. There's no way to even prove if we're right or wrong. We just have opinions on this stuff. But you liked it. I, I liked. Well, it's an improvement because the booking last year was, for the most part, just flat, as you said, Um and, I, and, you know, obviously some things were out of Khan's hands. CM Punk's injuries, brawl out. Those are things that – now, I do think he could have prevented brawl out. It's a whole other story. But I do well, feel – Do you remember what Dave and I had asked him about the night before of brawl out? Not the night before. Oh, well, I mean, wait, no, I don't remember that at all. What would you ask him? So It's actually Dave. We, but we had interviewed Tony. Right. And Dave asked Tony about leaning into the real-life – frustrations that the talent is having with each other and not stopping it like kind of like oh yeah yeah people you know if this talent doesn't like this talent like we're not going to tell them to stop tweeting about it right like because tony's answer was that he thinks it drives some intrigue and, and dave compared it to sean and brett like there was never me too me you know, too from the disc from, from the fan the hardcore fans remember the sean and brett stuff as if it was like Man, you know, this is what old school wrestling feels like. But uh, so he leaned into it and it bit him. And now, you know, they have uh, they have policies in place, I think, at least as far as I know, where, yeah, maybe we don't lean into that stuff as much as we did previously because of all the issues that it caused. Yeah, but I and this is a, a, another tangent. I still think that CM Punk versus Kenny Omega is the biggest box office match we could see right now. I truly feel that way. Be a good one. That's a big one. Like, I thought they were going to do that, and they might still do it at All In and really get that crowd hot. Um, I think that has to happen. I think I think now with how hot the brawl out story is, you have to do it. Uh, but to, to my point, to finish off the previous question, I hate the fact that WWE gets good, AEW not so good, and then they flip-flop. Can <laughs> we not have it to where they're all good, please, the wrestling gods? Now, there are a couple weeks. I think earlier this month, there was a week where Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown were all good shows. Mm -hmm. It happens, but I just kind of wish that everything was good. And, of course, good is subjective, but what do we like from wrestling? We like good stories, good characters, and we like to be surprised. And when I say surprised, I don't mean like, Vince Russo like swerves. Yeah, yeah. I mean like the good kind of surprise. Like mm -hmm. when Takashita turned heel at Double or Nothing, 
Do you call him Takashita? Yeah, Takashita is what I call him. <laughs> like a UNMJ, UNMJF. And uh, Cornette. Cornette calls him that too. <laughs> oh, but uh, but it's so easy, bro, because when I first saw his name, I, was, I read it, Takashita. It was just, yeah, but uh, I like him now. And I was in the Uber with my friends, and they were like, do you like him to turn heel? I was like, yeah, because I was always – me and some of my high school friends were always in the heel section. Not to say the mm-hmm. baby faces weren't cool, but a good heel, bro, is just lovely to watch. And he's got Don Callis, who I think is number one or number two best heel talker alongside MJF in that company. So I'm super excited. I am ecstatic to see that feud. Yeah. So again, no. AEW excites me now. It really does. WWE. Not so much, but I'm not giving up on them entirely yet. Do you do you give credit to AEW for kind of opening WWE's eyes again? Because without AEW, I feel like there would be no real impetus for WWE to get better. Now, the, the Nick Khan hiring, of course, like that's Vince McMahon's, maybe his most brilliant move of the last 15 years. But they were floundering, and it was boring, and it was the same old stuff. AEW comes along, WWE goes, ah, they're nothing. They're, you know, pissant company or whatever. But I do believe that their success as a small second company really pushed WWE and, you know, they they really got them focused. Uh, but to, Competition. to go back to to go back to your story about, you know, Booker of the Year or whatever, which is kind of funny. Um, you know, it's funny that we we talk about stuff like this because in a real sports world, you have like statistics and you have wins and losses. And in pro wrestling, it's all subjective. All but I didn't vote. I, I don't vote in these awards. And I've explained myself before. And, you know, the bad faithers go online and try and tell on me and stuff. But the reason why I don't vote in the awards is because I have relationships with some of these people. And so my ability to stay unbiased bias. is flawed in these scenarios. I've interviewed Tony Khan three times. Like, I've never interviewed Vince McMahon. I've never interviewed Triple H. So I don't feel like it's fair of me to vote in these awards. Now, Dave feels different because Dave can keep, you know, Dave can can separate his brain in that way. But my feedback was, I didn't think Tony was Booker of the Year. I didn't think Triple H was Booker of the Year either. If I was going to give credit to somebody, and this is bad to say this because this person Conrad is is the dirt worst person in wrestling, but it it was Vince because Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Conrad is not the dirt worst person. No, he's not. No, he is um Vince created the fervor. For the Cody surprise to happen, which was not a surprise <laughs> to a lot of us. But it was well executed. Well executed. Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back at WrestleMania. Those two things. What not, What is this? Dave's house? Like just the answering machine about to go off? No, I, I don't know. I, I can't believe I, I never get a call on that phone. And I got <laughs> the recording. But, but no, to, to, to your so, okay. point. So, so, so I'll, point. I'll finish. That's I'll finish. No, no, so, go for it. So, so Vince point. creates this thing, and the payoff is WrestleMania and, and this mainstream attention. They have some steam coming off of this show. Now, Triple H takes over, uh, but what Triple H does is he continues all the good things that Vince did, and then he kind of, and subtly, I don't think this was purposeful, he makes Vince's decisions the heel to the fan base because Vince had laid off a bunch of people, and so Triple H comes in, and what does Triple H do? 
he figures out who the internet dandies were of those people. And he has a relationship with these he's, people. He was he's running good NXT. At that too. He's good at that. And he brought back the people he thought would be fan favorites to to the company well, that remember, people would, would really like. Remember, Gabe is also working there. And like him or not, which I do like him a lot, Gabe discovered what like 70% of the stars we have now from CM Punk to AJ to Gabe. If I'm running a company and I need a recruiter, that's a guy who I have in my back pocket. You know how Gerald Briscoe used to go to all the high schools and get the amateur wrestlers. This guy scours the Indies for the best talent. Yeah. So, that's a good, that's a good H, credit right there. And, he, and Triple H is good at it too. Yeah. So, I, so I basically agree. what I was saying is Triple H was playing the playbook, smartly playing the playbook where it mattered, and then sort of reversing some of these harried Vince decisions like, you know, Gargano, like you said, bringing him up and bringing back Bronson Reed, who they had let go for being a fat guy and and stuff like that. So I'm not saying Triple H did a bad job. I just think he was smart enough to go, okay, this is working, and this we can actually get some 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 trust with the fan base by making these decisions. So that's why I thought, I just think Vince kind of created it all and Triple H ran the playbook. But at the same time, you have to give credit to Triple H because that is not, those are choppy waters. Imagine you, imagine you're doing, uh, you know, you're doing your channel and you're doing it successfully independent of anybody else. And all of a sudden this big boss comes and is looking over your shoulder again. And you're like, oh, my God, like that has to be really hard. I mean, I, the reason why I will never go back to corporate America is because of that right there. I just don't ever want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. But the, so so, you know, I, the, I explained this to my wife because uh, did you know you didn't get to meet my wife? Did yes, you? Yes, I did. Oh, you did meet. Okay. Yes, I did. She had, she had left. Uh, so we're, we're, was, now we're in Las Vegas. She was very nice. She was very nice. Now we're in Las Vegas. Uh, for from last week, where uh, Big D, Draven, and I got to hang out again. This is the second time in our lives. That we didn't take any pictures, together. though. We no, have. We have the, we, well, we have the picture from last time, uh, but we yeah, should have. You're right. We should have. Yeah, we should have. Uh, so, and you uh, gave me a you, you gave me a come to Jesus meeting. Yeah. That's what it was. It was like yeah, come is to this, Jesus. Is this a brother to brother talk? That's all. It I was. I actually appreciated that a lot. I really no. did. I, we, I, we, you have no idea how much I appreciate we, that. We 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 need to support each other in that way a little bit more, which is hard when we don't live close to each other. But um, so my wife, not a wrestling fan, she she uh, taught school in Korea. Um, nice. And that is her only real understanding of professional wrestling because it was high school kids. She's trying to teach high school kids English in, in Korea. And this was during the time frame of the post attitude era, but still kind of popular WWE. We're probably talking Oh two Oh three time. Ruthless frame. aggression era. Yeah. So those folks, those kids were still really into wrestling and, uh, and so that is her only knowledge, really, of wrestling. And I don't tell her about anything other than, you know, she knows who Dave is. She's friends with Dave. Uh, and she knows some of the people who I talk to. But so uh, when I was explaining to her, and I want to get your, your thoughts on this, I said, you know, Vince McMahon spent many, many years discuss or uh, educating the WWE fan base on what wrestling should be. Yep. And the reason why Tony Khan is able to do what he does is because there's a there's a fan base of people who don't like that. But at the same time, Tony's job is to kind of create an ecosystem where all kinds of different types of professional wrestling Amen. exist. 
And I think Tony Khan's job is so hard because if you're a Lucha fan, you want to see maybe Ray Phoenix be a top guy. Right. But Tony Khan may not see Ray Phoenix as a top guy. Uh, Bandito's taking pins left and right. Um, and that uh, the Lucha fan may go like, well, B- Bandito should be where um, Darby Allen is like as a, as a up and comer like that. Just, so he's got this heart, you know, and then you, you have the, the, the Japanese wrestlers like Takeshita um, you have the elite and, and their style and the, and the, the learning tree of, you know, Jack Perry and those. So there's so many different types of wrestling that it's gotta be hard for Tony to keep everything moving in the right direction when the fans themselves are kind of not they're like there's no AEW style right there's just a bunch of styles that are dialed into the AEW product so i imagine that group of fans is a little bit is going to be a little bit harder to keep uh happy because they're not indoctrinated into this one thing and so i was explaining to her that WWE fans are generally okay with some of the goofiness that they may not like because they have right. so much faith built into their fandom and Tony is trying to create that now, which makes his job a little harder. What are your thoughts on that? I think it takes years. I'm, I will say this. I've criticized both, both companies as a fan and given my thoughts throughout the years of the good and the bad, but the existence of AEW is I'm very thankful for that because not only has it provided an alternative, a real alternative that is way better than TNA, which I've been to TNA so many times. Like that was the alternative for a while. And it was very similar in what they were trying to do. Yeah. But, um, but the wrestlers themselves, the pay scale has gone up. Like there's more competition now to sign good guys, especially with triple H and Tony kind of understanding the mentality they both have. So, uh, I do appreciate AEW for that. And it is hard. I think it is hard, but I've always felt, and Draven feels the same way, that wrestling should be a buffet. Mm-hmm. Wrestling should give you a little bit of everything. The reason why we covet shows like WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania 19, Great American Bash 89, some of the greatest pay-per-views ever, is because you're getting that buffet. We just got done watching Double or Nothing. I liked it probably more than you did, but on that show we had – you know, the brawl, we had the Jericho Cole, it was kind of hardcore. You had the some lucha stuff early with the um with the River Battle Royal. You've got the four-way, which was phenomenal. You've got the ladder match. So you're getting a lot of different stuff. And I think the best shows are the ones that give you a lot of different things. But I, I maybe that's why he what you just said, maybe that's why he's he's creating more belts. I am not a fan of that. I think there are too many belts. Well, New Japan's doing it really over the top now. Um, but I've always said that AEW has had a bloated, gigantic roster. Um, they and only three hours. But now that that the Saturday show is about to start, that's going to hopefully give us more stuff. But one of the things you and I have not talked about, which would be a good topic on its own, is as you know. I go back and I watch the old stuff with mm-hmm. adult eyes. John and I are re-watching WCW 96, which for oh, the video watchers man. is why you see the little logo there. Yeah, and that's a good time. That's a great time. But uh, what I was going to tell you was um, when SmackDown started in 99, you, and it, at first you didn't really notice it. It wasn't until maybe 2000-ish. 
it really did dilute the product. And I'm yeah. not saying it was bad. That's not what I'm they saying. They had stars to carry it through. They yeah. Giant had, stars. And they had great wrestling. The issue is you had a lot of rematches. Uh, if you remember, like you were on Raw, you would see like The Rock versus Kurt Angle, let's just say. SmackDown, you'd see The Rock versus the Dudleys in like a oh, two-on-one handicap match. <laughs> yeah. That you know, you you see a lot of these like rematches. Yeah. And even though I love 2000, I'm not saying it wasn't good. I think Chris Cressy did a great job. When we get to 01, that's when you really see the cracks that, you know, SmackDown kind of became like it wasn't a priority, and that's why I was a fan of the brand split when they first did it, when they first did it, because it was necessary. You know what I mean? So there you go. I don't know. I don't know if I answered the question. Uh, so here's another thing, though, and you, you, know, you talked about this double or nothing. Uh, Tony has raised the bar on, on what is a good wrestling show, and I think that is also uh, Triple H has made him competitive because he's like, okay, AEW is putting on great wrestling. Well, we can do great wrestling and still be WWE at the same time, which is a, a yes. healthy, a healthy competition to me. But what happened is, like, if I go back and rewatch the Double or Nothing 2019 show, which I very, I very, I, I remember very fondly. Now, I bet you if I go back and watch match by match, I probably go, "Hmm, this one's not as good as I remember this one." But right. I remember Dustin and Cody. Right. Yes. Like I the remember young, that the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. Yeah, that was, remember, was a fun show for its time. I, you know, I, re I remember the main event, which I wasn't in love with, but I just remember Moxley coming out at the end of that show and that being a big moment. So Tony has kind of raised the bar of what we get from pay per view, which is different from WWE because WWE took their pay per views to the network, and a lot of times those shows were just beefier TV shows in a sense yep. because they already yep. had our money. So now, but what Tony is doing now is he's competing against himself month, you know, for these month or not even monthly shows. Every two months they do a pay-per-view or whatever. Give or take, yeah. All in 2021. I don't know how, um, I don't know if people think this is a, a crazy uh, argument, but to me, and I've been to a ton of big time wrestling shows, all in 2021 is the best live wrestling show i've ever been to and that was danielson coming out at the end Nicole. uh uh i think uh what did punk open up that that show against Darby? no Is that no story? punk was punk was i think third or fourth to last i think it was third to last okay because yeah, it was punk so, then they had that big show match that was like a buffer then they had the main event right so but as far as the surprises like you said we love surprises even though in where where we are in the connectedness of of the internet and and stuff we we kind of know all this stuff that is happening we're rarely surprised but it's just the anticipation of how it plays out that was my favorite show ever and i've been to wrestlemania 26 uh wrestlemania 31 wrestlemania that was a great 32 show. like i've been to wrestlemanias as well and other WWE pay-per-views from when I was younger, but that was my favorite wrestling show. So now, whenever I go to an AEW show, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, are we getting Double or Nothing 21? I mean, the bar uh, All In 21, or are we getting All In 22? Now, all they're out. both good shows, but one of them is, is just in my memory is just so much better. Like, do you think, do you think that the ability to, you know, continue topping himself 
Like that, that's gotta be really hard for Tony because his AEW audience wants this high work rate, wants these matches that, uh, you know, that, that are standout. And at the, but sometimes that is not really how you build the audience as much as you. you know other things. So like there, there's there, there's there's a nice little puzzle that Tony Khan is working through. And I'm not saying he's doing a, a poor job at it. I don't think he's doing a poor job. AEW would not be the success that it is so far if he was doing a poor job. But it's a hard job because this audience is so varied. Yeah, I mean uh, the thing is, in my, in my opinion, their pay per views are usually good. Usually they're good to great. Um, their TV has been good lately, but I think, I think he's in a bit of a, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place because he's obviously a hardcore fan and he understands the observer slash internet audience very well. But the issue is, and you know, that it's a very small number of wrestling fans. I think now that he, cause AEW's talent roster is phenomenal. Like there's, you can there's very few bad matches in AEW. Very few. I, I mean that. Like even on some of the, the, the YouTube shows, which I've only seen a couple, but there there's very few bad matches. So I think I think what he needs to focus on is look at what WWE did with the bloodline. I think what they gotta do is what and we've talked about this you and I, I think years ago. Look good week to week storytelling, like what Bill Watts used to do, where the story advances. And one of the things that became a crutch in AEW was, well, here's all these good matches. There was an episode of Dynamite a few a few weeks ago, a few months ago. I remember Dave talked about it, and in that episode, it was like phenomenal wrestling, top to bottom. But it was match, 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 and like very few promos. And I didn't like that. I really didn't because that's not what a wrestling TV show is. It should be you're going to get your good matches but you've got to build up your stories. And the bloodline worked because it was interesting. I feel like the the elite versus the Blackpool Club, they did that not as good as the bloodline, but yeah. it was every week, the Don Callis turn. Like that has to be week to week. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it is, but the only way they're going to capture, I think, the audience, uh, a new audience, is to either have that consistent. So people say, you know what? I love their stories. Or they're going to have to, at some point, do a large company-wide angle. Because if you think about it, let's, let's think back to the history of wrestling. These company-wide angles always, well, not always, but they are the lifeblood of the success. NWO, WCW, company-wide angle. Not every wrestler's involved in it, but it became like which company can survive. Austin and Vince. Vince is the corporation. You know, it's the, the – the, so you know what I mean? Like, it's, like a, it's not just – these guys are feuding. There's a law, a bigger picture. And I think the business needs something like that again. Not like doing the evil authority figure and stuff like that, but just a company-wide angle. I booked an idea, which I'm not going to go into now because it'll take some time to explain, where MJF could actually kick this off based mm -hmm. on his promo we cut last year with Tony. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think they need better storytelling they've improved they have but i think that's what draws people in average fans don't give a shit about great wrestling they appreciate it but they want the stories yeah uh you know friend of this show actually not this show but this network will washington got hired in he has helped. god bless you will washington you've made the show better <laughs> well we'll see well I, I don't know exactly what he's accountable for but i know i one of the early rumors was that he was going to come in and help with some of the continuity 
stuff that 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 they and and it's it's great you hire you need someone to do that okay yeah. so let's yeah. um let let's kind of advance this conversation i don't want to keep you here too long no i'll be here as long as you want i'm enjoying yeah, it you know maybe maybe we'll we'll chop it up and we'll, we'll we'll bring you we'll bring you back uh you know every once and again and we can just continue having this this conversation like we did you know over 20 years ago um so where are you with now, i'm not i don't want to put you on the spot but I, I kind of alluded to this. We both are able to talk to folks who, you know, have some connections to to what's going on. And I know you get, you know, some some information from folks. And, you know, I see it on the Twitter about, you know, what what's going to happen or what your prediction is. Do you find a responsibility in these things to make sure that, you're pretty sure that this is right on before you talk about them on Twitter or how do you reconcile this information and then post them to your audience? Cause you don't have a small audience on Twitter. You have a pretty big audience and knowing that those people who follow you are going to be like, Oh, did you hear this? This is what geekdom said. This is what D said. And that just, that's just a game of telephone, right? How do you deal with that responsibility about what you post when it comes to these kind of like rumors and, and inside information pieces. Well, you and I talked about this years ago. I remember because you actually have a journalism degree and yes. I don't have one, but I, I, my thing is all about credibility. Have I gotten everything right? No, neither has Dave, neither has Wade. Nobody's going to ever be a hundred percent accurate, but I, I do try to double source things as much as possible. I'll give you an example. I'm still getting shit for this. In, <laughs> I'm still getting shit for this one. In 2019, I was, I had 16, not one, not two, 16 different sources confirmed to me and some other people that there would be new Dragon Ball Super episodes in the summer. Uh -huh. It didn't happen. The company changed direction. Toei right. Animation changed direction. So you very much understand Dave's mentality yes plans change plans change yeah but it's rare um that they've changed if they're really you know they're solid right. but dude think about what i just told you 16 different sources that's not even like dude i had guys from the philippines i knew animators in the philippines that i had made friends with and the thing that people always ask is how do you make friends with these people and i think the the important thing is to make is first of all they like the content i do and second of all they uh did you have to be an adult and not be a fanboy you know like if you're interviewing steve austin let's say you and dave you can't be on there oh my god when, and i'm not saying you would but i mean yeah. people but um but i try to as much as possible get a double source one thing i've been doing lately starting in around 2020 or so is i i actually am more honest with my audience in that i'll tell them i'm like on a scale of one to 10, do I think this is going to happen type of thing? So for example, last November, I got a scoop about an upcoming project. I made a stream about it. And I said, listen, I've only gotten it from one source. Mm -hmm. If this does not, I tell the audience this, if this does not happen, it's it, just letting you know, do not get your hopes up. Keep your expectations low because if it does happen, great. If it doesn't, at least Danny warned us that yeah. to keep. So I try to be as, as upfront as possible but unfortunately as you know in the era of tiktok and youtube there is so much bs out there like so much that it's just it, sometimes it does irritate me because i don't like people being lied to but um and i can't cover everything so that's how i kind of approach it i, I i'm not going to say i took a page from you and dave but i definitely want to have the credibility 
so that people look at me and say, okay, if he says it, it's true. And thankfully, a lot of people do. I just got a text actually yesterday from one of the guys that runs the Dragon Ball dub. I'm not going to go into what it was, but he's asking me to find something for him. So that type of shit is cool. Like, I think that's cool to be able to do that, you know? Okay, is there a pressure, though? And and, and I'll I'll give you some uh, surrounding information about why I'm asking you this. So uh, here on this network, Fight Game Media Network, you know, we have people who who talk to people and know stuff, but we wouldn't consider ourselves newsbreakers, reporters. When you have a podcast, you're you're talking about things happening. You're talking about you're rumors. a content creator. You're speculating. You have analysis on things. So that is not our role. We don't consider ourselves reporters in any way. But uh, and I'll I'll even give the name uh, of somebody who you know definitely ha- has had connections and has been you know, pretty right on about certain things, but a good friend of mine and someone who does the, uh, in the clinch podcast, uh, Ryan Frederick went on our the, Fred. I knew you were going to say him when he went on the wrestling observer message board or the F4W message board. And he said that he had heard something about these contract negotiations that AEW was having with Warner brothers discovery. And so that those conversations spiraled into, and I'm not sure if he's the only one who had them. I'm sure other people have had them. That that spiraled into people, including Wade Keller, speculating on these decisions um, or, or on these these rumors. And so that just created a sort of a whirlwind of things. And it didn't happen. And the amount of crazy stuff he sees in Twitter is, is so negative. So do you yeah. feel the pressure of actually being someone who has to post this thing? And then if you're wrong the information is going to come back at you and yep. it's going to be really negative. Yep. That's happened to me already that I've experienced that. And the thing is with, there are people out there who hate me so much that they always bring up 2019. And I'm always laughing at them because I'm like, look how petty you are bringing up one thing I got wrong from four years ago. What's funny is, and this is how I'm sure you've dealt with this before prior to 2019, my accuracy would like, was like 99%. I had information about the upcoming dragon ball movie back then that the Japanese didn't even know. Like literally I'm I have proof in the videos that the time of the videos because YouTube records the time and day of videos. Right? So I was on point, but the minute you get one thing, the minute one thing changes, all of a sudden your credibility is gone with some people. Now, I don't give a damn anymore because I know that the real people understand, the adults do, um, but there is a lot of pressure. And that's why I've kind of told myself, and this is kind of a, I'm going to say something kind of weird, but hopefully you'll understand what I mean. People aren't entitled to anything. I think there's a lot of entitlement. I think people want to know everything about what AEW is doing or what's yeah. going on with Dragon Ball. But if I hear something, I don't have to report on it. I heard something in tw- in 2020 about this new movie that came out last year about who mm-hmm. the villain was, and I have email proof of it, and I didn't say a word to anybody. Why? Because I learned from 2019. I learned that, it, 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 unfortunately, it's probably best sometimes to just not say anything, uh, and that's kind of been my new approach. Is And also, the word leaker and reporter has been, to be honest with you, very much uh, tainted uh, in the Dragon Ball fandom, meaning not so much in wrestling, but in the Dragon Ball fandom, because there's a lot of fakers. 
There's a lot of people who take your story and say, well, my source said the same thing when they have no sources. People are really desperate for clout. Not going to name any names. Some of you know who I'm talking about. And they don't know what the fuck they're talking. They don't know anything. But they pretend like they do. And because of that, it's it, people group me in with them. Not everyone, but a small group does. And it's like, I don't want to be associated with them. So like you said, I don't want to be a news-breaking guy. I just want to make content. And yep. the news is part of it. <clears throat> Um, but I, that's my thing, man. People are not entitled. To, if I hear, if I hear today that I don't know that the main event for All In will be this versus this, I may say something because it's not my job. Yeah. But if my if my job was to be like Meltzer or Keller, where wrestling is my cup of tea, maybe I would think twice and just say, or, or so it's how you word it. You have to do, word. But it. do you think your followers think that it's your job? Like, do do you think that they take it that seriously? Where well, Danny said this, so it has to be one. A lot of them do. A, lo a lot of them do. A lot. And I'm thankful for that. I am thankful for that. You have no idea. Yes, a lot of them definitely do. The ones I'm referring to that don't are usually just the haters who there's people who have been drooling for me to get shit wrong for years because yeah. I've been so accurate with my shit. And then when it happens, all of a sudden, that's when they attack. And it's so pathetic and sad. It's such envious loser mentality. <laughs> but at the end of the day, bro, I'm the one going to Vegas spending 80 bucks on buffets while they eat McDonald's and, and TV dinners every day. Now, that that might be a little bit of your ego and insecurity. No, that's, well, I remember when LeBron, <clears throat> when LeBron lost to the to the Mavericks, and he's like, well, that's okay because everyone has to go, do, go work tomorrow, and I get to be LeBron. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Bro, you went all in with the heel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but no, yeah. I, I, but I'm just saying, like, I do have people who there are people who genuinely want me to fail. Yeah, I, I hear done, you. I've never done you. anything to them, uh, yeah. but my audience at least trusts me at the very least. Remember what uh, Fat Joe's first album was called? Jealous Ones Envy. J O E. Yes. And then Jose, Jealous Ones Still, still Envy. envy. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I put that on Twitter one, one day. I don't think anyone really understood why I did it, but there was a reason. Well, what's funny is I talked to my th I talked to Draven about it, who in real life, he's a psychologist. I talked to my therapist about it and another therapist, and they all say the same thing. There's It's envy. And it, the thing is, they don't see it because it's very internal. Yeah. But it's, it's envy because they don't think I deserve to be where I'm at, whereas the real motherfuckers, sorry for cursing again, the real ballers, they don't worry, you won't get demonetized. They, um, <laughs> you won't, I assure you of that. They, uh, they respect it. And I, I respect successful people because I know the work it takes to get there and the pressure, as you said. All right. Last thing for you here before we get out of here, uh, and a completely different direction. And we'll, I'll let you get your plugs in at the end. People know who you are and why you're here, but, uh, but you should still do it. Okay. Um, non Dragon Ball, non wrestling recommendation that you have for people something you've either listened to something you've watched something you've read but it cannot include those two topics there's a ton of stuff i mean i just, well, just got give done. me one just give me one what's the what's the best i don't know what the well with what there's so many like recently with so, something okay recent. okay fine it could I'll be a video one. game too no right right now i'll give you one across the spider verse go oh, there see that go. movie go see that movie is that your review up on on my non-spoiler is up on, on on the world of geekdom channel it is i thought about it today this is the best spider-man movie ever made and it's a shame that animation will never get the same credit as live action this, because this movie's gonna make a lot of money though 
I know, and the Mario movie did too, and I'm happy about that. So that's one quick recommendation right there I would recommend. I mean, there's so much. If you're talking about like self-help books, I can throw that one, whatever you... Spider-Man was great. The Spider-Man is timely. I can't wait, but I have to see... I haven't seen Guardians yet, and so LaRocca wants to see Guardians, so I think we're going to see it this weekend, but next weekend I need to see the Spider-Man movie because I really loved the first one. I thought the first one was fantastic. Oh, if you love the first one, you're going to love this one even more because they were able to throw in a lot of Easter eggs without sacrificing the story, and the story is really good. All right, so that is on the World of Geekdom channel, not the Geekdom 101 channel because the Geekdom 101 is, is strictly Dragon Ball, right? Yeah, well, anime, anime, okay. Geekdom 101. And then World of Geekdom is... Uh, everything else that's nerdy, like um, I like, like uh, uh, movies and TV and games. And do stuff you like still that. do pro wrestling stuff on there? Once in a while I do, yeah. Usually one wrestling video a week I do, and I review the pay-per-views, yeah. That's I good. do. It's just for fun. Um, you know, that channel is, as I call it, a write-off channel because <laughs> when I go to Vegas, right, I can write the trip off and yeah. just, oh, you know, sure. cover it, yeah. But it's smart business. I also have a third channel now called Realm of Geekdom, which that one's just going to be the 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 pod for now. It's it's the it's the home of the podcast because, as you know, YouTube is cranking out podcasts yeah. now. We're, they're about to put RSS feeds. You know, I told a lot of our old friends like Stevie and Ed, I was like, if you want to do this again, YouTube Google is is a monster. They're going to kill yeah. everybody. So um, with Realm of Geekdom, I'm right now. I've been uploading all of the old podcast the long form ones and i'll be doing new ones but you, you're future. so you're uploading old podcasts without video you're saying right Got but it. but the new episodes will have video and i'm planning to and but this is going to be like this is like the adult geekdom channel because we're not going to be talking about that much nerdy stuff i'm planning on doing all interviews i have people that were former scientologists that are going to come oh, on wow. talk about the cult yeah i want to do john walsh again my career highlight you got to find the nexium people have you have you read up on nexium i i i know i i i've i've heard of it i know about it but i haven't seen that hbo max documentary yet and so i'm excited i, I off air I'll, I'll send you the original podcast that i heard that got me fascinated with that subject and then it just and then the hbo show and, and it, it's fascinating but yeah yeah you know i i love that stuff i'm into it right now um my career highlight is right now on realm of geekdom I interviewed John Walsh from America's Most Wanted. Yeah. And that was a huge deal for me because yeah. my that's a bonding moment for me and my it's dad. Like the you original know. true crime narrative, you know, show. Like you, you, you know, you know how big that show was. Yeah. Like, and he is a, I, I made him cry on the air because I thanked him for everything he did. And I was like, you're a real superhero. Like you're a real life superhero for catching these predators. Yeah. And I heard him get emotional, which I, which is again, he's old. So interviewing these people before, before they go, that is my career highlight. Nothing to do with dragon ball or wrestling. It's just, this is a guy who literally changed the world. And that's a big deal to me. All right. Well, we're going to have to hopefully get back to Vegas next year. If AEW continues running Vegas and do it again. And maybe next time, you know, me and you and Draven can kind of, get a meal together and veg out a little bit more so we can have a longer conversation 
But well, uh, if you see how he looks compared to me, he's been eating, he's been eating very well, bro. Oh man, he's been eating very well. You're gonna get heat for that one. No, no. Uh, there was an episode of the KLB before we go where I literally pulled out every fat joke I heard since I was a kid, <laughs> and that's a lot of jokes. And he, he laughed at most of them, so we're good. All right, thank you. Uh, and you know, again, we're gonna. I want. I would love to bring you on multiple times. You know, as the in the history of this show, as long as I do it, like I said to to. Uh, uh, Draven as well because uh, you know we've, good had, we, we've had a lot of conversations in the past and I kind of want to keep this is a good way to keep them going so for uh, Big D check out all three of his channels I, I'm going to go subscribe to the realm of geekdom one I have I don't think I've subscribed to that one I didn't know about it yeah uh, but uh, for but you, Dan- you should well, I want to say you should check out that John Walsh podcast only because it's really good I didn't even know he had a few with the Zodiac killer so that just that wow. right there it wow. trusts me. I, I'm so proud of it. I just wanted to say that because I really love that podcast. All right. All right. For uh, 4D, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.